Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, welcome back to The Savage Nation. I'm saying it to myself as much as to you. I've been off for a while now, and it is great to be back in my my hometown you know, in many ways, the Savage Nation is my village. I call it the Savage Nation, but it's really the Savage Village is what it comes down to. When I first created this show in 1994, I envisioned a village. It became a nation. It's now a global nation, the Savage Nation. We've elected a president. There are Trump-like candidates around the world now. There's been a revolution in the world. Make no mistake about it. The media, of course, is extremely to the left. In fact, some would say they're socialist. They'd be right. If you want to define that for me, go ahead. Good luck. Some would say they're communist. They'd be right in the cases of the Trotskyites in the media. They're internationalists. They don't believe in nationhood. They believe in internationalhood. They believe in little girls who lecture us on subjects for which they know, of which they know nothing. Little girls like Greta Thunberg, the Swedish brat who was caught on a train in first class, then says she was suffering on the train. It's a world of lies. It's a world of lies and liars. You've got one of the most evil men in history, Schiff, who should be put in prison for what he's done to this country. Schiff has the nerve, along with that corned beef with eyes, Nadler, that nebbish who wouldn't even be able to run a subway car this guy. You know what Schiff said? You know what the big lie is? Now, you've heard all of this before. I'm not going to get trapped into this all day long. The big lie is that they're our ally. Ukraine is our ally. And they're at war. And that Trump withheld aid. I never heard anything like this in my life. He says, uh, Schiff, you can't withhold military aid from an ally at war. Now, the last I checked, we were not at war with Ukraine against the country. I don't know what that country is, do you? Secondly, Ukraine has never been our ally. They were Nazi collaborationists in World War II. Did you know who Ukraine's, Ukrainians were? Are you people this stupid that you'd fall for this stunt of, uh, of uh, Schiff and Nadler, these two creeps? An ally at war. They're not our ally. We're not at war. It's a big lie. In fact, the lie itself is impeachable. Schiff should be thrown out of Congress and put in prison for what he's doing. Bribery? Wire fraud? Nancy Pelosi ought to look in her own mirror when she throws around words like bribery and wire fraud. Boy, would I like to have a day of sunshine in California. One day of sunshine, the most corrupt state in the history of the world. The most corrupt state in America is California. Bribery and wire fraud? How about Jerry Brown's billion-dollar train to nowhere? Where'd that money go, Nancy? Nancy, what about the Solyndra scandal of uh, the, uh, what were they, uh, someone in your family got a billion dollars from the government under Obama to build solar plants in the desert that produced less electricity than required to, to run a 60-watt bulb? But then again, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're living in weird times. And we can get trapped in it and outraged and angry and pissed off and have our blood pressure go up, ruin our day. I really don't want to do it. This week is going to be another sick week because of these horrible, evil people on the left, these communists. But they're really not communists. What they are is just corrupt politicians. I mean, let's stop calling Pelosi this and that. She's a corrupt politician. Schiff is a corrupt politician. Nayla's a stooge. He couldn't run a Carvel stand in Queens. We have to listen to this all week. You know, there's a thing, the Grinch who stole Christmas. Take a picture of Nancy Pelosi and put it on a bulletin board. There's the Grinch who stole Christmas. And make no mistake about it, she's the mind behind all of this. You can blame Schiff and Nadler all you want. She runs these little putzes. They're her little putzes. She's the one behind all of this. But then again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go backwards for a moment, if I may. There are so many stories I want to touch on, 
I don't know where to even start with which one is the most important. So many of them are important. I was agitated over the weekend over the girl in New York who was killed by the 13 and 14-year-old teens. Teens is a new euphemism. You can't say the right word. It's teens. Youths, the youths. They stabbed her and killed her. Now, why did that story affect me so much? I don't know that girl. But she represented and symbolizes America. She was like Miss America. Student from Virginia. She goes to Barnard College. She's also an accomplished musician. And all I could think about is I heard she died of the filth and vermin who killed her. And I knew as I sat here, they were not going to serve a day in prison. But then it got even worse. I woke up yesterday and I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I posted it on, on my website, michaelsavage.com. The police union boss in New York who should be fired, the police union boss in New York, NYPD union boss, should be thrown out for what he said. He blamed the young girl for getting stabbed. He said she was buying pot, and that's why she got stabbed. Now, I want to ask you something. Have you ever heard anything as low as this? Yeah, I know. He's a cop, and he's white. You're supposed to support him. Bull crap. He's a piece of trash. That police union boss should be fired for what he did. The parents have not even buried this child, and he's blaming her for getting stabbed to death right outside the college, saying she was scoring pot. You hear this? Unbelievable to me. That story really bothered me because I knew that in New York under de Blasio, this was not the first time people have been mugged outside Columbia or Barnard. I know that crime, a crime wave is raging in New York City because of de Blasio's hands-off policies and his racism. Same de Blasio told his own son to not trust the New York Police Department, had the New York Police Department chauffeur his, his child to Yale, a real genius. Yale, you hear this? I wonder when those 13-year-olds will be given a full scholarship to Yale or invited for a Nobel Prize in climate science or something like that. But then I'm getting ahead of myself. There are so many other things I want to do and can't do them all at once. And I will uh, give them to you one at a time. So many good, good sound bites. This week is the impeachment week again. But again, over the weekend, I went on to Periscope, which is a live broadcasting arm of Twitter, and I gave a 20-minute uh, piece of audio. Many of you downloaded it and watched it. It's on michaelsavage.com. You don't have to go to Twitter right now. And I talked about being away, a dream I had, a nightmare I had, <clears throat> and God spoke to me. I talked about the news, the negativity of the news, and the effect it's having on all of us and how we cannot dwell on it. I talked about my faith in God and why evil exists. And then I talked about the coming year and what we can expect. It's all on the uh, michaelsavage.com website. And I'm going to play a little bit of it for you later on in the show. I personally don't want to pay any attention to the impeachment show. I find it to be a, a probably the most boring topic I could ever talk about. Why would I care about this topic? We know the outcome. This is like a kabuki drama. If you study what a kabuki drama is, it's a kabuki drama. We know how it goes. We know the illegitimate will impeach him in the House, and we know that the other illegitimate in the Senate will not impeach him. And so we, the people, have to sit and watch these schmucks play out their kabuki drama. We, the little people, sit there and eat uh, popcorn and ice cream and, and sit there and applaud on one side or the other like idiots. You know, there are a lot of bigger problems than the putzes on the left or the putzes on the right. Real big problems. We have a runaway deficit. We have an immigration situation that's out of control. Trump said he would control it. And to his credit, he tried. But one after the other, these left-wing communist judges overturn every last bit of his attempt to stop the flow of drugs and illegals. I was going to talk about that, and I will at another time. I can't do it all at once. But I want to invite you, the listener, first of all, to call the show. The phone number is 855-407-282. And I will tell you this, things have to change on this show for, for this show to thrive in 2020. And big things are happening. I mean, I was given a great big station starting in January that everyone in the radio business is green with envy over. They all want to be on that station, including the great stars of radio, but they're not on it. I'm on it. KABC in Los Angeles. Boy, will I... 
Boy, will I look forward to being on KABC in Los Angeles. I can't wait. Uh, and that's in January. And I'll be talking. You see, the beautiful part about KABC is that all of the Katzenberg, Katzenbergs, Matzenbergs, and Ratzenbergs live there. They are the gods of the media. They are the gods of the media. And they do not want my voice heard. They have blocked me for years. I was on in L.A. years ago. I was on a big station then a small station. And they complained and they got me off the air. Same in New York, same in Washington. It's all politics, my friend. But something I've learned is that the truth has a way of finding its way to the surface. In this day and age, as much as I would love to be on the stations I was taken off because of politics, my ratings were super high. Hey, people are hearing me somehow on the Internet. All they do is stream the show out of KSFO or any other station or their local station. And if you're not streaming it on a station, you can get it somewhere else. So it's an amazing change in uh, media history, what's been going on. Of course, we all want to be heard on radios and cars. It's a great place. I grew up on it. I love it. I'm one of the few people in radio who actually grew up listening only to radio. Do you know, do you know that? I sat in my father's lap as he drove his old DeSoto into Manhattan, and he smoked his Philip Morris. I got the secondhand smoke. And uh, we would listen to the radio. We'd listen to the Green Hornet, uh, the radio dramas. Radio is an entertainment medium. Never forget it. And anyone who can't entertain you on the radio belongs teaching at uh, Harvard if they can get that job. I don't care what their politics are. You know, that's about it. I don't want to turn this into a mini bad political science class, which is unfortunately what most radios become. Failed political science professors posing as geniuses peddling you stuff they know nothing about day and night. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about the news headlines, the headlines on my website. I may play a piece of the uh, Periscope thing that I did about being away, a dream I had, the nightmare, what God said to me in that nightmare. I had an accident. Let me make it simple without going into details. And I was hovering between life and death for about an hour. Let me make it very simple. And as I lay there on the uh, hospital, whatever, a surgical thing, I was praying, and the after it was all over later in the day, the, the great doctors, their geniuses, said to my wife, he was mumbling to himself for an hour. They didn't know I was praying. Because I don't make a show of my prayer. I, I didn't have a like a show prayer. I didn't pull out a little memo book. All I did was do a Christian, a Jewish prayer and a Christian prayer combined. The prayer that you say as you go through the valley of death over and over and over again, both in Hebrew and English, for one straight hour. Why did I do it? I don't know why I did it. Did it help? As a doctor said to me, medicine has elements to it we know nothing about. He said there are mysteries in medicine. I remember when I was in graduate school, one of my professors said to me, uh, I forget which one it was. He said to me, wonderful men. He said to me, Michael, because we were all, you may talk about 1970s. I was very into nutrition at, at UC Berkeley. And one of my professors, a very intelligent, high-end mind, said to me, Michael, I've seen people have heart attacks who have perfectly clear arteries. I've seen them die. I've seen them dead with perfectly clear arteries. And that really was a revelation to me. Real revelation, you know. So there are mysterious elements to health and disease. Does prayer help? Have you ever faced a near-death experience? You want to tell us about this near-death experience? I'll do that and the news right here on The Savage Nation. Michael Savage, a host like no other. You know, let's be honest with each other. Most people weren't taught how to invest in school. I wasn't. No one taught me how to invest. And if you're like me, you probably wondered, why does Wall Street seem to win so consistently? How can I do more than just buy and hold? Is there a path to help me take better control of my financial future? Online Trading Academy wants you to start knowing now. As a leader in investing and trading education, Online Trading Academy teaches people just like you a step-by-step -step process designed to help you make the right moves in the financial markets. You're going to discover common investor mistakes. You'll learn about risk management skills. 
You'll learn how to develop a personal income and wealth education plan. And it's very simple to get started. OTA's flexible learning style lets you take classes at one of their more than 40 financial education centers or in an online classroom from the comfort and convenience of your home. Students have given Online Trading Academy a 94% satisfaction rating based on more than 190,000 reviews. No one will ever care about your financial future as much as you do. So now is the time to start learning how education can help you take better control of your financial future from now on. A strong economy is the best time to prepare for a bad one. What would you do if you knew skills designed to help you generate income and build confidence toward your retirement goals? Well, get started by joining the more than 500,000 people who have attended one of their free classes. Free. Sign up for a free three-hour introductory class at otatrade.com slash savage. I'll say it again. There is a free class in your area. You'll register by going to otatrade.com slash savage. Guess what? You'll even receive their professional insider's kit just for attending. Write this down. You got it? You ready to go? Here we go again. otatrade.com slash savage. otatrade.com slash savage. Begin taking control of your financial future today with no obligation. Once again, write it down and contact otatrade.com slash savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. Welcome back to the first day back of the Savage Nation. This is our village. This is our town. This is our community. This is what I created. This is what we have. And we have barbarians have bursted through the gate, burst through the gates, bringing with them millions of barbarians in order to overwhelm those of us who own this village. Make no mistake about who they are. Make no mistake about who these illegitimate are. I had a, a caller a few weeks ago from uh, Silicon Valley. He said he was an Israeli techni- technical guy who was visiting Silicon Valley. And I asked him, how could Jews like Schiff and Nadler and Engel, and I'm saying Jewish, I don't care if you like it or not, what should I not say that? These are the same Jews who, after Donald Trump included an anti-a law to protect Jews, codified it in, in, in federal law just last week. Last week he codifies anti-Semitism as a hate crime. The same Jews who attacked Trump for protecting Jews. So I asked a couple of weeks ago, how do people like this call themselves Jews who are so hateful and twisted that the president of the United States, who was the greatest friend the Jewish people have ever had in the history of the world, how can they call him an anti-Semite? Are they that blind or sick? And the man called, and, I, and he said something to the effect that these are not Jews. He said, when the Jews fled Egypt, strangers came along with them, and their descendants are the same strangers. He said, that is how we describe these renegades in Israel. I was shocked by the call. He had a, a Hebrew word for it. I never heard anything like it. I'll actually play that sound by few later or tomorrow. We have it. It's astonishing to listen to this. Because I'll tell you the truth, when I met the president a few weeks ago or months, I don't remember, time is a little bit of a compressed blur right now. Whenever we met, whether it was on the plane or before that, I said to him, you know, Mr. President, if you announced that you had found a cure for a certain form of cancer with your scientists at the NIH, Schiff and Nadler would get up and say, we have an important announcement to make. Donald Trump withheld a cure for cancer for well over 13 weeks, even though he had it. This is how psychotic and sick they are. This is who they are. This is who they are. These are very, very mentally ill people who belong in a straitjacket, not in Congress. Unless you call Congress a straitjacket on America's heart, I don't know. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. 2020 is coming up. 2019 is already in the can. A few more weeks, you're going to listen to those human salamis out there with eyes wrecking our pre-Christmas time, pre-Hanukkah time. Evil, pure evil, pure evil. Nadler, Schiff, they're not doing it for America. They're evil. They are the true enemy of this country. This is beyond politics already. 
But as I said, I had an accident, was off the air, did not make it to the White House. I'd invited a long time ago. I'm this beautiful invitation. I love it. Interlopers called and begged to be invited at the last minute because they heard I was going. And then the interlopers enjoyed themselves. They had the shrimp and the other uh, trafe. But uh, I had an experience, and I'm back from the experience, and God will keep me here as long as he wants to. I'm in good shape, and what can I say? People have things happen to them. Without dwelling on it, I want to ask you again. Have you had an experience where you hovered between the two worlds, this world and the next? San Jose, Rupert, welcome to the uh, Savage Nation. I understand you've had such an experience. What was it? I'm a Vietnam uh, War veteran. Uh, I was uh, in Vietnam in 67 during the Tet Offensive. I've had uh, three near-death experiences. Uh, that's a spiritual awakening for me because uh, twice I should have been blown apart. Hmm. Uh, the third time in a hospital. Uh, and I, like you shared, I was praying, murmuring. Hmm. Uh, so I have a lot to be thankful for, and I want to thank you for sharing that. And I wish you and your listeners Merry Christmas. Well, Rupert, you know, you're, you're the hero. You know, I've t- I have soldier friends. They're all my heroes. They know that, too. You are the difference between our survival and our demise, our freedom and our slavery. I know that. On, on, a, on, a, on a domestic front, it's the street police. On the international front, it's you guys. Without you, we'd be slaves. When you were hovering between those two universes of this world and the next, what did you see and what did you do? You know, when I was uh, in uh, laying in the field hospital, uh, one of my death experiences, uh, I thought I was uh, on a train on the way home. But when I, the train stopped in my hometown, uh, there was people waiting, my parents and friends. But it was kind of a shocker in that uh, dream or uh, visual imagery because it was a casket on the train and I was in it. Oh, oh, that was the that was the vision you had as you hovered. Yes. Uh, did Did you pray at that time you were dying? Oh uh, yes, yes. I was. Uh, I'm just saying. Well, what prayer as a Christian did you did you repeat on the gurney or wherever it was? What prayer were you repeating? Well, the first journey I had was uh, uh, was in a foxhole where we were uh, getting shelled with rocks and uh, mortar rounds, and I was saying the Lord's prayer. Uh, out loud, and everybody in that bunker joined me, and around, everything around us was being blown apart, you know, as the mortar rounds started walking to our bunker. Uh, thank God we all had our flak jackets and helmets. Uh, that was the first experience. The second was... A wolf. Is that the one, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear, for the Lord is my shepherd? Yes, I said that, and then I said the Lord for prayer... Uh, when I was uh, in laying the hospital. So those were the two uh, uh, prayers. That well, that's interesting because that's the one that came back to me, and I, re- I remember learning it in grade school. It's a strange thing. When we used to have prayer in elementary school, that was one of the prayers we used to have to repeat over and over again in the in the school I went to in the Bronx. It never offended me. I It used to scare me, I'll be honest with you. As a little kid, it kind of scares you to repeat a, pr- a prayer. That's what it's supposed to do. You know, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the French say. In America, it's the fear of nothing is the beginning of a stupidity. I thank you very much for the call. You've got wild animals running in the streets of America because they fear nothing. They've been taught to fear nothing by the vermin on the left. So I laid there, and all that came to me was a Jewish prayer and a Christian prayer, and I combined the two. The Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echod, Hero Israel, Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Jewish, Jewish people are supposed to say that in times of near death or in times of fear or in times of stress or when they are facing the, the end of their life. That's all you say is the Shema. And then I combined it with, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for the, for the, the God is with me, the Lord is with me. That's over and over again, over and over for an hour, mumbling to myself. Doctors thought I was just mumbling on drugs. Did it help? I don't know. I don't know. I think it helped. Here I am. So people have accidents, much worse than I do. They fall off motorcycles. They get bolted by a horse. They can break their neck. Car wrecks. Go and buy some pot outside Barnard and have your heart cut out by an animal in the gutter. 
things happen to people. Some people don't come back. Some do come back. Are they better for it or are they worse for it? Do they change their ways for the better or they become worse? Jim, do we have time to begin that little piece here? I want to play the piece from Twitter that I did over the weekend when it was fresh to me on Saturday morning. And it's not too indulgent or I wouldn't play it. Please listen. This is Michael Savage. Uh, You haven't heard from me in a while. And I'm going to talk to you about something significant in my life, perhaps in yours as well. So give me a moment. I'm alone because I choose to work alone. As you know, radio is a dramatic medium. And we all tend to over-dramatize our subjects, our lives, our significance, significance of what we're talking about. That's what we do. Never forget that radio, like all other forms of communication, are in some ways a performance. God has made it that way. And anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar. Everyone is performing, myself included. I'm not performing today in a way. I've been off the air for 10 days. Something happened that I don't want to go into details. I had a, an experience where it was touch and go in my life. And as I lay there in the hospital, I was praying to God for well over an hour as the geniuses worked their magic. <laughs> Later in the day, they said to someone very close to me, he was mumbling for the entire time that we had him in, in surgery. They didn't know I was praying. Now, God bless the doctors. I guess they don't understand the power of prayer. But there was a prayer for one straight hour at least. It's, it's good. I don't want to over-dramatize it. I said to you, I'm not going to over-dramatize the situation. People have gone through much worse. However, when things happen to you, it's as worse as it can be, as bad as it can be as when it's you. And everyone's arrogant until they're not arrogant. Everyone is not believing until they are believing. It's when you're on the mat and your face is down on the mat. Whether you're a fighter or an ordinary mortal who's not a fighter, when your face is on that mat, that's when you know whether or not you believe in God. And so I prayed continuously, a Jewish prayer and a Christian prayer, and a mantra over and over and over and over the doctors apparently didn't hear. They were busy doing their job. They didn't hear me saying, Shema Yisrael Adonai Lahindu Adonai Echod, Baruch Shem Kavod Leolom Va'ed. As I walk the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for my Lord is with me and I shall not fear. Over and over and over and over in a mantra. Did it help? <clears throat> How do I know? God works in strange ways. Okay? So the word humility comes up I learned many years ago, 40 years ago, what humility means. Humility derives from the root humus. I think you can put two and two together. Humus, earth. We come from earth, we go to earth. When we're at the peak of our strength, we don't believe we're mortal. Humus, humility. Now, a number of years ago, I wrote a book entitled God, Faith, and Reason. I'm not going to preach to you from God, Faith, and Reason, but... Apparently, a new piece was written last night, which is why I'm on Periscope with you this morning. <clears throat> At about 1.30 in the morning, I jumped out of bed. I had a terrible nightmare of an Amazonian man, a giant, seven foot tall, with a knife in his hand, a stone, by the way, a stone knife. This is interesting. And he was like a wild creature, a wild animal from another world. I approached him to speak with him because I've spent a lot of years in, in, in villages over the years. I've always had a gift to speak to people anywhere at any time, no matter what their language was. I could communicate with them. It's been since I'm a child. It was one of my gifts. I tried to approach him. It didn't work out. He had a, he got a large animal that snapped and took my dog, Teddy, and snapped his head off. Why the demon did that is up to you i woke up and i was rather shaken it was 1 30 in the morning it's very cold out here in san francisco this time of year and i'm not complaining i like the cold i don't like heat i wanted to go back to sleep but i was a little intimidated to lay down in the dark again and i wrote this take it for what it is because i'm going to read it to you and say goodbye and i want you to see i'm not reading from anyone else's work 
Okay, this is my work. I'm not Robert De Niro. I'm not a derivative talk show host. Okay. This is my work. See my work, my handwriting. There we go. Take it for what it is. God exists and all I want you to know. God exists and here is what God said to me last night. I wanted to go back to sleep, but God, I keep a pad next to my bed. I told you the story once from when I was 15, when I learned to do that. And over the years, that's why I'm a writer of many things. I've always written thoughts down in the middle of the night. I haven't done this in many years. God put the pen in my hand and the pan in my hand, which was next to the bed, and it started. I started to move my hand. Are you ready? In all times, in all places, the largest group of people produce people of no consequence. And also there are small groups of people who produce very small groups of people who are of great consequence. Among these are the Jewish people. Some spread God's word, some the word of Satan. What has one man speak of God and another speak only of evil? That's something only God himself can answer. We are not to question God's ways, only to follow God's laws. To dwell of the evil of others, it's not a grammatical error. That is the word that came from God. To dwell of the evil of others is to become consumed by evil thoughts, which leads to evil deeds. God's word is God's word from time immemorial. Sunday, 15th December 2019, 1.45 a.m., awakened by a nightmare of a Neolithic man. Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. Well, the first hour is down the tubes already. I don't know, you know, this is what happens. In the next hour, I've got callers lined up around the block with their near-death experiences, and they're astonishing calls. I hope you'll be able to stay tuned. If you can't, you'll catch them all on the podcast later today. In the next hour, I also want to talk about humility and vengeance. Humility and vengeance, they're opposites in many ways, but they're part of the human experience. I was trying to tell you earlier that when you're laying on the mat, let's say you're a fighter and you get knocked on your behind and your face is on the canvas, you know what humility is. Or you get thrown from a horse, your face is in the, in the humus, you know what, what humility is, right? That's what I'm talking about. We come from the earth. It's a derivation of humble, grounded from the earth kind of thing. It's the opposite of pride or arrogance, the quality or state of being humble. That's humility. And we all have to face the fact that we will be humble one day in our life. Yet the media portrays fools, day and night fools, pretending that they can never be humbled. Morons, rings in their nose, rubbing their crotches, throwing money in your face, blowing marijuana in your face, holding a gun as though they are immortal. They're the lowest of humanity. And yet the media holds them up as the highest of humanity, which is why 13-year-old wildings stab young girls to death in the street. It's because of the media. It's because of liberal politicians who don't get up there and say, we'll track them down, we will try them as adults. We know who they are because they're on tape. You hear what I'm saying? These kids have done it before. But that's a second story. I want to talk about vengeance a little later on, on The Savage Nation. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to The Savage Nation. Let's call it The Savage Village today. I believe we're sitting in a seacoast village somewhere in uh, Sicily having a glass of white wine and enjoying a seafood dish, listening to the sea bash against the seawall. 
I say Sicily because I've been watching a show called Detective Montalbano. It's from 1999. I've been watching some reruns. It's remarkably well done. And I imagine what life would be like if I were Italian living in a village in Sicily, for example, having friends to go to in a cafe every day. But we don't have that here in America, by and large. We're a nation of individuals. Rugged individualism is the norm. You may have friends and associates in various professional groups and interest groups. But the idea of the village, the idea of sitting around with friends is long gone from this nation. And yet we have the savage nation. We're drawn together by some commonalities on the airwaves here. I can't redefine them for you. I've done so over a quarter of a century. But we're now facing the greatest battle of our lives because we won an election and the illegitimates on the Democrat side are trying to undo an actual election in our lifetime. It's astonishing. On the skimpiest of charges, on the biggest lie I've ever seen in my life, uh, Goebbels would be very proud of Schiff. Goebbels, uh, the Goebbels Award should be given to Nancy Pelosi, Schiff, and, and uh, Nadler. If we could have our own award ceremony, we would give each of them a ribbon with the Goebbels Award. And it would be a little medal made of tin with the face of Mr. Goebbels on it. And we'd give it Nancy Pelosi the biggest one, where if you tell uh, a big lie often enough, it becomes the truth. Well, here we are, and I don't want to talk about it because it's going to talk about itself, right? What does that mean? We know it's the kabuki drama already. The, the Dems are going to impeach, and probably the Republicans in the Senate will, will find them in us. That's the end of the story. So we, the people, have to put up with this crap while the nation is basically sitting here waiting for other stuff to be done, like close the border, like rein in the spending, guys. Even you, Mr. Trump, stop spending like a drunken sailor. Everybody knows it's out of control. Everyone knows that if it wasn't Trump, he wouldn't get away with it. Everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Everything he does is perfect. I got it. Meanwhile, the uh, economy is doing well, I guess, but the Fed's just pumped another $86 billion into the stream, the bloodstream of the economy. Where's that money coming from? Where's the money coming from? No one wants to talk about that. So I wanted to talk about personal stuff. And as I did in the first hour, we're going to continue that conversation today. And that is those of you who've been in the the shadowy world between life and death. And many of you have, and you never talk about it. And uh, in this hour, I have loads of callers who want to talk about their near-death experience because it has nothing to do with politics. You see, see, it comes down to personal. That's what it comes down to. A starving man doesn't care about politics. A dying man doesn't care about politics. You understand that? Now, we're not starving and we're not dying, so we can sit here like a bunch of jerks and talk about politics day and night and continuously lower the, the, the IQ of the nation down to that level. Or we can talk about the fundamental issues of human, humankind, which are about mortality and about what it means. What are we living for? What is this brief dance in the sun all about? You, you've heard me, me, me repeat that phrase over the years, haven't you? A, a short dance in the sun. It's not my phrase. It's the title of a book of poems that an Irish poet wrote a number of years ago here in San Francisco. I forget his name. I met him once somewhere in a bar. A short dance in the sun. That's all we get. We're like a firefly. It seems, it seems stretched out to us, but I'm sure the firefly's life seems stretched out to him. The poodle's life seems long to him. The fly's life, the mosquito's life, the amoeba's life. The Drosophila's life, how long is that life? It's probably as long as our life in, in their, I don't know, shall I say their consciousness? We're told they have no consciousness. I know otherwise. I absolutely defy all of uh, medical history to tell you that every living creature has a consciousness. Every living thing has a consciousness of sorts. I would say, well, I don't want to go down to the level of the, um, of the macrophage because that's part of a cell, but... Every living thing wants to live. You ever seen a living thing that doesn't want to live except amongst human beings who want to commit suicide because they don't feel good, because they have bad self-esteem? Where'd that come from? What kind of species is this that has evolved to this low point? And a society, what kind of society is this 
that continuously emphasizes the lowest or the most broken, let's put it to you that way. Let's not say lowest, the most broken of, of its citizens. What society would run a show called Intervention, showing the most self-indulgent drug addicts you've ever seen over and over again? You're supposed to sit there and feel bad for them? I don't. I never have. I don't feel bad for alcoholics. I was told they're the worst. Doctors tell me alcoholics are the worst of all, the most self-indulgent and the most difficult to treat. Instead, I want to talk about people who faced death and came back from it, and I want to hear about their near-death experience and what... What did you do during that experience? Did you pray as I did? God didn't come into the room. I'm not Jimmy Carter. I wasn't selling a book. Every few years, Jimmy Carter is about to die again when he has a book to sell. Then miraculously, he recovers from the near death uh, of his illness after the book sales have, uh, have fallen again. Uh, I hope he lives for the age of Moses, but I've seen it over and over again. Every time he has a new book out, he almost dies. Here we are again. All the world's a comedy, right? So enter from stage left. Let's go to the first caller. John in Michigan, tell us your story, my friend. Thanks for being with us on the Savage Nation. Yeah, driving home my motorcycle that night. Um, a truck was um, uh, high beam me and lining up on me. So I tried to get around him as fast as I could, and he went right with me and took me out head on. He was uh, .27 drunk, hypnotized in my light, they said. Um, I, I hit the front, then the windshield beat in the top of the vehicle, and it launched me um, 100 foot into a swamp, which packed all the compound fractures, arms, legs, lower legs. And uh, three and a half hours later, they found me, and a helicopter uh, picked me up, and uh, they couldn't get me out of the swamp at first. They ended up just having a yank from everywhere. And when I was in the helicopter, uh, um, I bled to death. It was the coldest cold you could ever think of and went to the darkest place you could ever think of. And uh, come to you afterwards in the hospital. And as a remnant, you know, artificial knees, shoulder, hips, ankles. Um, Good God. Do you, do you re do, uh, this is an astonishing story. So you obviously you survived this head-on collision on a motorcycle. Yeah, I did 20 years as a plumber afterwards. Um, Wait, I'm sorry, 20 years as what? Hired me. John, what, 20 years as what? 20 years as a plumber. Plumber? Yeah. Plumber. After all of this? Yes. John, when you were in that nether state, did you recall praying or did you not know where you were? I screamed, God, no, just before it happened. And this, this, when I flushed my eyes out getting in the helicopter, it was blonde chick, and I threw a comment about if she was the angel for me. Wow. Yeah, of course. Do you do you do you have do you have do you have flashbacks to this day? Every day. Mm. Every day. Do you pray to God? Very much so. Very much. Yep, I'm involved with my church and whatnot, and it's really healthy for me. God bless you, man. <sighs> tough one. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. The cynics listening think it's all a joke. Those riding high think it's all a joke. Well, one day, one day they'll come to see what I'm talking about. Right now, they can worry about global warming and uh, things of that nature as they're freezing their butt off on the way to Sweden. 855-400-7282 is the phone number. We're talking about, I don't know, maybe it's too heavy, but you know, it's a religious time right now. We're coming around the holiday of Christmas for Christian people, which is a very important day in the entire Christian world. I know the whole story about the date of Christ's birth and how controversial it is and no one knows when he was born and how the date of the 25th of December was really for sure the date of the birth of Mithras, an Iranian figure. I know the whole story of it, but it's to us, it is the date, date of the birth of Christ, whether it's figurative or real doesn't matter. That's all that matters is what's significant to us as people, and look who's stealing it from us, Nancy Pelosi, Nadler, Schiff, they're stealing the holiday of Christmas from us. You want to talk about a symbolic, 
attack upon the core of Western civilization. In the timing of it, it could not be worse for these people. These evildoers could not have chosen a worse time of the year to do this to uh, America. Now, couple that with the victory in England. Uh, Every poll said that, you know, the liars in the media are so powerful. They have more power than any king has ever had. For six, 18 months in England, they said Boris Johnson's a clown. Brexit's going to lose. Johnson's a loser. They want to stay with the European Union. The British love the Muslims. They love the Muslim mayor. It's all tied together, by the way. No one's telling you that, but I'm telling you that. Johnson wins by a landslide. The anti-Semitic rat bum, Corbyn, is now thrown out of his own party. The man who was held up as a, as a hero by Bernie Sanders and the American version of Corbyn. The same thing is going to happen here. But our press is even more powerful than that of the British press in terms of hating this country, hating the people themselves which is why the newspaper, this is the interesting thing. The newspapers are selling nothing, garbage. They're all going out of business. The chains are broke. And yet they don't fire the editors who are anti-American. They keep hiring these jerks who come out of journalism schools with the same worldview, which is that America stinks, the world is great, and no one buys the paper. And they don't change the editorial policy. You take a great paper, you change the editorial policy, to something pro-American and paper would survive. Why would you bring a newspaper home that, that, reverse, that says everything that you despise, puts everything down that you believe in? Why would you have that in your house? You don't. And that's why they're going out of business. Never mind, yeah, the internet has a, a big part to do with it, but that's not the main part. Why would you have a, a broadsheet in your house that says everything that you despise, everything you know is false in your, in your house, and they can't change? It's the same with the Democrat Party under her. And this week now, we have to face the same thing again. It wasn't enough what shifted to us a few weeks ago. Then they followed up with that human corned beef. Nadler, the one with the pants up to his, uh, his pectoral muscles, that schmuck, that nebbish. A night school lawyer, that's what he always... A night school lawyer, you know how low they are? Nothing wrong with night school, but usually they're dumb. They're malicious and dumb. Those are the ones who go to night school law, law, night school, law, law school at night. They're stupid but vicious. And when he come out of law, came out of law school, what did he do? Probably fixed tickets in Brooklyn. You know, you go see Nadler in his office somewhere, and it, God knows where, for about 50 bucks, he fixes a ticket for you. You throw him a 50 cash, and he goes and sees the corrupt judge somewhere in a little tiny municipal court in Brooklyn. This schmuck now is running an impeachment hearing. You hear this? So when they ran him up, America laughed at him. They said, this schmuck is trying to take down an election? It went nowhere. It died. And where was she, the queen of all of this, the queen of hearts? Well, let's see. She was in Paris dealing with the climate issue, getting uh, applause over there from the communists in Paris. Then she flew back, Nancy Pelosi did, to the Kennedy Center to receive even more awards from all the snot noses there in the arts community. Where is she now? She's certainly not walking around the streets of San Francisco, a city that she personally destroyed. No, no, no. So we the people are stuck with them. And all week now we got to listen to this garbage. All week we got to listen to this trash. That's where I'm talking about something more important, which is going to face everyone listening to this show, no matter how young you are. One day you'll understand what this secure, this secure connection to God is called the Savage Nation. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Should the government subsidize lunch in public school for all children, regardless of their income? And you know what? And breakfast and dinner as well. You hear this? Listen. Listen to this. This gets back. This gets back. This, this gets back to the point you raised a moment ago. I believe in universality. You got that a whole lot of money. You don't. You're treated differently at the lunch room situation nonsense you both are treated equally but i'm going to have you pay more in taxes to make sure that all kids get a decent education a decent nutrition okay that's straight out communism that's all i'm going to get excited about it 
Bernie Sanders is a lifetime communist. We have a free country. You could say anything you want. But never before in modern American history has an, a naked communist been called anything but a naked communist until uh, Jake Tapper came along. Until CNN came along, everybody would have laughed at this lunchroom Bolshevik. And that's where we are. That's where we are again. I'm going to pay for lunch for someone who's poor. Why? I don't pay enough in taxes. 60% of my money gets stolen from me by the governments before I even get the money. I want to be- buy them lunch and dinner. No, I don't. By the way, no one's going hungry in America. The last I checked, there was an obesity epidemic. But this is how the communists work the racket. They can't even change their tune. You're telling me that they're starving now because I'm not buying them a lunch? See any starvation in America? Tell me where it is. That went out a long time ago. No one's starving, Bernie. So when I come back, I'll take your calls here on a fundamentally more important question of life and death experiences and what happened to you when you died and how you came back, and did prayer help, because I know it certainly is real. But unlike Jimmy Carter, I did not see God. I just prayed to the invisible God. I never claimed to see him. Never saw him. Been looking for him all my life. That's what God, faith, and reason is, was about. My search, not my find. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Breaking news on the Savage Nation. Supreme Court just refused to hear a challenge to a ruling which allows so-called homeless to sleep on sidewalks. In other words, the Supreme Court just gave a green light to more human human defecation, more violence, more disease, and more drugs in the streets of America. The U.S. Supreme Court refused on Monday to hear a case in Boise, Idaho, challenging a lower court ruling that permits homeless people to sleep on sidewalks and in public parks. The Supreme Court's decision not to hear the case, which came without comment or a dissent, shows you, you know, the illusion of a conservative Supreme Court. There is no such thing. No comment, not a dissent. Not one word of dissent when you have these filthy, violent bums laying in the gutter, crapping in the streets. It's a major win for homeless activists. Now, a homeless activist, as you well know, is a misnomer. But a blow to city officials across the West who uh, argue, well, what is it to argue? The Ninth Circuit Court of Schlemiel's did this to us. The idiots, though, in the Ninth Circuit Court of Schlemiel's said it's okay for a bum to sleep in the gutter, shoot up drugs, crap on a sidewalk outside a restaurant while you're dining. That, that's called civility to them. Can't find them, can't uh, prosecute them. You hear this? Give them a nice house that's worth a million dollars somewhere in Marin County. Every bum should have a whole house. And you should work for them, according to Bernie Sanders. You should cook and clean for the bum. Because you have plenty and they have nothing. That's, that's it. That's the world we're living in. So we need shelter now for every bum in the gutter? Uh, uh, housing for every bum? I would give them housing. I'd give them housing for sure. I'd start by opening Schiff's house. Every spare bed and bedroom in Schiff's house should be given to a bum from Los Angeles. That's to start with. And then I would round up every homeless person in America, as I've said before. I would forcibly remove them to barrack-style housing outside of cities in land that nobody wants to live in. You're going to give them prime land, idiot? No, you give them land where there's low population and you have shelters that are like barrack-style housing. And that's where you house them. And if they can't take care of themselves, then you go to the next level. You put them in mental hospitals. This is how a society deals with people who have fallen uh, through the cracks, so to speak, or can't take care of themselves. You take care of them. You build them barracks-style housing. It's very cheap. And you put them in there. And if they won't or can't, you move them on. But you take them off the streets and you restore the cities to civility. That's what a civil society does. And I'm not Plato. I'm Michael Savage. You take them off the streets against their will. And you take their cockamamie lawyers with them and throw them into the barracks housing because they love them so much. Put the lawyers in there with them. All the Marvins from Berkeley. All the Harolds from Harvard. Put them into the housing units with them. And let them file their writs. Give them computers. Give them uh, Wi-Fi. Let them file their writs from the homeless barracks in the wastelands of America. 
where the Buffalo roam. This is how you treat the situation because you can't fix the problem when you have broken people. Broken people can't be fixed by giving them things. Broken people need to be cared for by the society. Broken people need the society to care for them, not to let the broken people rule the society, nor their so-called advocates. The advocates are generally mentally ill, by and large, or making money on the side one way or the other. You think that there's no money being made in this so-called vagrancy epidemic in America? When a city spends a billion dollars a year and there's still more bums in the streets, who do you think is raking in the money? Where do you think it's coming from? Where do you think the money's going, rather? You think it doesn't flow up to the Congress? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. Same with the immigration story. If you really want to know what the immigration battle is about, study the Silk Road, the ancient Silk Road from China and what they brought in on the Silk Road. It's all about drugs. I think it's always been about the flow of drugs. And that's why there's such a battle going on. There's so many fortunes being made in this country on the flow coming in through the border. That, that's why they don't want to close, and that's why Trump's the hated enemy. Whether Trump really believed he would do it or not is irrelevant. He ran on the ticket of closing the border. He ran on the ticket of building the wall. What wall? The border's more porous than it was when he took over. Don't blame him. I blame them. But nevertheless, there's a reason for it. Why would a politician want more indigent people coming in from uh, south of the border. What do they need them for? We've heard the story a million times for the votes and the cheap labor. We heard it all. Yeah, but the, the big missing link is not the, the, the cheap labor and the votes, okay? Don't be stupid about it. Study the Silk Road, and you'll know that all roads lead to Rome. And if they don't lead to Rome, they lead, lead somewhere else. There's only so much you can do, right? So here we are, America's drowning right now, and we're being misled by this impeachment wreck so we don't pay any attention to the drowning. We're drowning in drugs. We're drowning in homeless bums. We're drowning in debt. The country is literally drowning. Drowning. That's what we're doing. We're drowning. Drowning in drugs, drowning in debt, drowning in immigrants. I can go down the list. I don't have to. You can fill in the blank. And that's why both parties are playing the kabuki drama with us. See, that's what they're doing. They're playing the kabuki drama with the, with the American people. Which side of impeachment are you on? Should they impeach? Shouldn't they impeach? You know the outcome already. You know the outcome of the kabuki drama. What are we wasting our time for while we're drowning? Tell me why. We're like a drowning nation. We need a real strong man to come along, but we don't have one. Trump is the appearance of a strong man. But what is he actually getting done? He's tried in many areas. You can't blame him. $23 trillion is forgotten. $23 billion in a budget deficit? That's unheard of. What if this was going on under a Democrat president? Why then all of the liberals, all the conservatives, $23 trillion in debt, we'd be talking about a day and night. Government's $23 trillion in debt and spending more than ever, increasing by a trillion dollars a year. But that doesn't mean anything. Both the liberals and the conservatives agree with that. <laughs> when you think about it, when have you last heard a conservative in Congress talk about the debt? Huh? You think they're going to stop sending checks to the indigent in America? You think they're going to stop sending checks to old people? You think they're going to stop paying for free health care? I don't think so. And that includes conservatives as well, so-called. As long as the other guy's check is cut off, they don't care. Then they're fiscal conservatives. But you know and I know that you don't want the, the good times to stop rolling. Programs are all unsustainable. Social Security originally was created to help the minority of people who outlive their savings. And when Social Security was created... Most Americans didn't even reach the age of 65. And now Social Security is considered an entitlement. But that's not good enough for the Bernie Sanders. They want free everything. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. They account for half the federal budget. 
half the federal budget. Now they want free education. Free education. I love the word education. It would be great if it was real education today. Education, you hear? Education. Tell that to the 13-year-olds who stabbed that little, that girl to death in New York City and were just let go the other day after they arrested them. They caught him on video. They got the knife. They had to release them because they got a judge. Uh, they got a, a, a lawyer. A lawyer, we pray to God, the lawyer it doesn't happen to him what happened to that girl or one of the lawyer's children. A lawyer, a smart boy, a smart lawyer with a very advanced degree got the kid off who stabbed that little girl to death. Now they come with a pot deal. You hear that's an excuse. That New York police uh, union chief should be fired for what he said. Horrible. That guy is some bum. What bum? Unbelievable. And worrying about things in the world that have no meaning. Nothing. And then uh, we go on. Oakland Raiders fans get nuts after losing final game. You ever hear people, morons, that they get excited over? The idiots, a Raiders game, that's the whole world. That's the whole life as a sports team. Unbelievable to me. And life goes on. It goes on, it rolls on, it rolls on. And Netflix on the fire for depicting Jesus as gay in a new Christmas movie. They should go to hell. Everyone at Netflix should go to hell immediately. What a disgusting organization Netflix is. It's bad enough that they give us direct like Irishman with Robert D. Hato. But now they have to spit in the face of Christians portraying Jesus as gay in a new Christmas movie? How far can cultural degeneracy go? How far does it go? When does it end? Well, you want censorship? I don't. You say, well, a censorship ultimately is with the consumer. Apparently, a lot of people like Jesus as gay. A lot of people probably tune into that one. They can sit and laugh, smoke their bongs, laugh at the stupid Christians out there and think that they're superior because they don't believe in God until they have to believe in God when they're laying with their face down in the ground or on a hospital gurney or they see someone that they love laying there. Then suddenly maybe the mocking of Jesus and the mocking of God, the laughing at Christian people will come to an end. I, I doubt it, though. I think atheists are so entrenched in their cynicism that they can never, ever back off. You know what I'm saying? They believe in Gaia. They believe in climate change. Those are their gods. So Jesus as gay in a new Christmas movie from Netflix is nothing to them. That's what they learned in college anyway. So what's so different? What's the, what's the big difference? They learned it in college. To them, it's a norm. Let me take one quick call of a near-death experience. Virginia, I'm sorry, is that Jay in Virginia, Jim? Jay in Virginia, not Virginia in Jay. Virginia from Jay, America. No, it's Jay from, <laughs> sorry. Jay in Virginia, line seven. Tell us about your near-death experience, Jay from Virginia. Greetings, Dr. Savage. Uh, a great show as always, long-term, a long-time listener. And, Thank you. Uh, it's great to be back. I'll, I'll give you the short version because you don't have time for the long version. I was uh, in the ocean uh, drowning. Um, a riptide was involved in the story. And um, unlike the movies where you, you uh, slow down as you're fighting, uh, self-preservation uh, doesn't do that in real life. I was... Uh, I wasn't given it a hundred percent. I was given it a thousand percent to to save my life, and I was in, I had in, in, inhaled uh, salt water, so I had that in my lungs and my stomach. So I was throwing up, gagging, and trying to breathe all at the same time. And uh, your your body fights until the very end, and then um, uh, as as my and and then it just quits. The body uh, the body uh, checks out because it's uh, done all it can. And uh, right as I right as my body quit. Out in the middle of the ocean, um, there in Nags Head, uh, North Carolina, the uh, uh, I you know I cried out, uh, you know, uh, God, I, I I need help, and uh, uh, that's when my dad's uh, voice kicked in from him teaching me to swim when I was uh, seven uh, years old. I was uh, 34 at the time of the story, and he had taught me when he saw me struggling in the pool. If you ever run into trouble, I won't always be here. Just roll over on your back and do the dead man float. So. Um, that popped into my head as I was crying out for help, and uh, I rolled over on my back and, and was looking at the sky, and the colors really, time slowed down, and then all of a sudden this uh, peace, uh, this total peace came over, and my body stopped struggling. I was still gagging and trying to breathe and throw up at the same time, 
but the uh, the I didn't realize how bright the blue, bright blue the sky was, and how white and puffy the clouds were. And I was seconds away from um, literally heading to it. I was looking at it, saying, "Wow, this is uh, is this the way I'm going? I'm going to be shooting through those clouds and sky in just a matter of seconds." And I had said help a couple times, but apparently I had had yelled it, and um, uh, several people had had called uh, 911. I would find out later, and that's when I heard. Uh, um, again, I was seconds away from just uh, uh, sinking down off this float. I was trying to float, and uh, I was very calm, but I uh, and my ears were underwater, so I heard a. So a, who pulled you out? A, a teenager, uh, a teenager on a boogie board heard me, and he. Uh, so you feel you feel that God God answered your prayer with the teen coming by? Is that it? Absolutely, uh, the peace. Well, you know what? Who knows? The the rationalist will say you were saved by the teen just as the rationalist would say that the surgeon saved your life, not God. But I will say to you, God, faith, and reason, all three. There's three legs to that stool. God, faith, and reason, three legs to that stool. I'll be right back. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Meanwhile, in Nancy Pelosi's filthy, disgusting, degenerated backyard called the beautiful ex-city of San Francisco, there is a photo of a so-called drug-addicted homeless man crapping in the aisle of a Safeway, grocery store aisle. You'll not believe this. He went into a Safeway in San Francisco in the marina, and he crapped on the floor in full view of everyone. How dare you? Now, in a sane society, this would not happen. In a civil society, this would not be permitted. You know that there's not a third world society on earth that would permit this. You do know that. You know that even in a place, let's say, a lawless place like Mexico or Guatemala, in the poorest of towns, if a man did this, I don't have to tell you what they would do to him. Do I have to tell you what they would do to him in Saudi Arabia, where an eye for an eye prevails? What society would permit a man, if you want to call him a man, because he's not a man, to pull his pants down and crap in the aisle of a supermarket in front of, well, whoever, men, women, children, doesn't matter who. Man bun with his pants around his knees, feces visible on the floor near a chip display as he prepares to wipe his behind. This is the city of Nancy Pelosi's backyard. Instead of paying attention to what she has wrought with her insane liberalism and her corruption, Instead, she goes on marching on trying to steal an election from half of America. Meanwhile, the good liberals look the other way. All of the good liberals look the other way. Where is George Schultz, the so-called opposition to all of this? I love he's at every one of these left-wing parties. There's George Schultz, same blue suit for the last 40 years. Does he say anything to them about what they've done to this city? Well, that's it for the day on The Savage Nation. Visit me online at michaelsavage.com. See you tomorrow with God's will. The Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>